are listening to Shining Star Community Church English Ministry Sunday Message. Please visit us at www.shiningstar.life. You know, I remember many years ago, I watched a uh, clip on YouTube on how to change your car's, your, uh, car's oil. Do you guys know how to do that? Well, I didn't back then. By the way, YouTube is 10 years old now. It was from 2005, back when I was still an adult, I guess, right? <laughs> but the guy in the clip, he said something I, I thought was pretty memorable. He said, if you do your basic maintenance, you shouldn't have any problems with your car, but there's a lot of people who are negligent with their basic upkeep of their cars, and so when they come to the shop, they end up having to go through a huge costly repair when it all could have been avoided with diligent maintenance, like basic oil changes. And then this is what he ended his clip with. He said this, you can either pay me now or pay me later. And I was like, jeez, for a YouTube clip. In other words, he said, you can pay me little now or pay dearly later. Pay dearly later. And that's a lot like life. Pay now or pay more later. Last week, we talked about the key to understanding our whole life is exercise and control over our tongues. But James, he doesn't just stop there. He doesn't just stop about why controlling our tongues is important. important. But from these verses, we'll see what happens when we don't control our tongues. This is the whole paying it back later. I always find it interesting and almost sad whenever I hear people say things like, people are generally good. Or people are inherently good. Or when you see, this has been happening, this is a trend these days, where they would see, let's say, a person leaving um, a hefty tip on the check at a restaurant. So like a $20 meal, and they'll put $100 and say, you know, be happy or something like that. Or, or you'll see someone kind of put a coat over a homeless person on a cold winter's day. And then all of a sudden, these people will immediately take a picture, and they'll Snapchat it, they'll Instagram it, they'll Facebook it, and they'll always say things like, wow, faith and humanity restored. Have you heard of that? Right? It's like, oh my gosh, this person didn't run over a squirrel. Faith and humanity restored. The Bible speaks of three sources of evil in our lives. And I think it's just sad when we think that somehow faith is required in humanity. The Bible says first that there's evil, the world around us. Remember when sin entered the world? So the world is filled with sin. The world almost is sin. Second, Satan, the evil one, he is the epitome of what evil is. And thirdly, the evil that is bound up in our own hearts. In other words, we also have flesh. We also have sin in our flesh. So we got the world, we got Satan, and we got our flesh. No, there is no faith in humanity. There, is, there can be no faith in humanity. And from these three sources, the world, Satan, and flesh, sin has one objective, and that is to destroy you and destroy me and destroy anything that is of God. How does sin do its dirty work then? Well, how was sin first introduced into this world? Was it Adam and Eve just blatantly reaching out in disobedience from the tree of knowledge of good and evil and taking a bite? Or was it introduced the moment the serpent spoke and lied to them? It said, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field than the Lord God has, that the Lord God has made. He said to the woman, Did God 
actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, well, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, which is a total lie. God never said that, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The tongue is the member that sounds so sweet. But then it brings evil into our lives. And so James, he breaks it down in verse 6. Firstly, the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. This world isn't, we're talking about the physical universe, the physical world necessarily, but rather the state of our current life, of our current spirit. In other words, our sinful, rebellious, disobedient lives conspiring to reject and hate God in all his ways. That's the world we're talking about. That's the world James is talking about. The tongue of our world is an enemy of God, bent on making everything and everyone around us hate God. That's, that's what it does. The first point is that our tongue represents the world of evil. The second is this, is that the tongue is an agent of the devil. Verse 6 also says, Itself set on fire by hell. Hell is the dwelling place of all evil. It's where all those who have remained uh, complacent in the rejection of God, that's where they dwell. And James is saying that our tongue introduces evil in our lives straight from hell. And lastly, the tongue introduces the evil or the flesh into our lives. Verse 8 says, the tongue is a restless evil. So far, the evil that we know of is external, right? The world, which is out there, and Satan, which is out there. But the restlessness of evil implies that it is within you and me and wanting to leap out of our lives and bring destruction within, within us and all around us. That's why Jesus, he calls out the Pharisees. He says, you brood of vipers. How can, you say, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, he says. In other words, Jesus is saying, you think you can tame your tongue and say good things? Your restless evil inside you. All you can say are evil things. Now here's the thing. Last week, the tongue, it didn't seem like that big of an issue. If anything, it had almost a passive role, right? Like the horse's bit in the mouth or the ship's rudder. But now James is introducing the tongue in a very different light. It's no longer just the thing you can use to control and do good or, control, or, or, the, or the rudder of the ship to control where you need to go in life. No, it's not just a good thing. It's no longer a passive thing. It's no longer an instrument for good. Instead, it's now, James is saying, the tongue can be used as an agent of evil. So watch out. Do you know what separates and divides most churches in America and presumably around the whole world? It's not just a difference in theology. It's not just the fact that there are lack of service opportunities or maybe a mismanagement in finances or here and there. No. Do you know why one of the biggest reasons why churches split? It is because of gossip. It is because of slander. It is because of lies and disputes. The tongue, it brings materialism into the gospel. It brings a pursuit of ungodly things. It brings division. It brings unrighteousness and man-centeredness into the church. Know this. 
your tongue and my tongue, if we are not in alignment with God and his word, our tongues will be our church's downfall. Shining star's downfall. Our tongues will be the downfall of our marriages, of our, of our professions, and of all the things that we hold near and dear. I've experienced this time and time again. Do you know how hell breaks loose in church? It's when people say a lot of half-truths. Half-truths seem right, but in the end, it serves no other purpose but to create sides. Half-truths is all about emotional sympathy without setting the person right in God's truth. Half-truths are all about compromise. It's about finding loopholes. It's about finding a quick and easier way to fix things. It's all about convenience. Half-truths is all about self-justification. It's all about making sure you survive even though those around you may drown. And so verse 6 and verse 8 says, it sets the whole course of life on fire and it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Like James, he's not, he's not holding anything back here. I call this, these two verses here, the snowball effect. Oftentimes, sin doesn't just like to stay put. Instead, it likes to grow. That's what sin does. A small lie becomes another lie and another lie to cover up the previous one. And on it goes until truth can no longer be distinguished between the lies. It becomes uncontrollable. Lies become in sin and evil becomes bent on destruction. And that snowball of evil words grows and gets bigger, swallowing up everyone and anything who gets in the way. And it all starts with one careless spark, one careless word. It could be a false accusation that you didn't bother to check out. Remember, brothers and sisters, there's always two sides to the story. Or a slanderous slur rather than going to the brother or sister who sinned. You just accept it. Or a personal attack rather than dealing with the confrontation. Or a juicy gossip, entertainment at someone else's expense. It can even just start from something as simple as grumbling and complaining about something. Oh, I don't like the format of life groups. Oh, I don't like the service structure of our Sunday services. Oh, I don't like the content of the retreat. You see, for the, for the tongue to escalate into something truly devastating, it doesn't take much to spark it. We have to be careful. You and I both are perfectly capable of lighting an inextinguishable flame. And so like the psalmist cries out, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the doors of my lips. You know, whenever I've confronted individuals about their mistakes, they always say, Pastor David, but I didn't think it was that big a deal. Or they say, Pastor David, I thought what I was doing was something good. We can so easily deceive ourselves, can't we? If we are part of this church or, church or part of a church for that matter, any church, our membership and our commitment to the body no longer becomes about what's good for me. It becomes about what's good for the body of Christ and for the glory of God. Do you get that for a second? When you become a part of a church, it no longer is about me me, me, it becomes about you, you, you. How can I edify you? How can I have you grow? How can I lead you? How can I serve you? How can the ministry of Shining Star grow? That's what it becomes about. No longer about what can you do for me. Otherwise, the body breaks down when the individual parts begin to do their own thing. 
when you start just saying words flippantly, carelessly, you know what that means? That means you have no concern for people around you. No concern, no regard for those who are considered your brothers and sisters in Christ. You must be careful of your words. Yes, can you steer it to do good and great things and glorifying things? Absolutely. But James here also says it can also be used to completely destroy and annihilate everything in your life and around you. So what do we do then, brothers and sisters? I think firstly, we have to admit that we have a problem. That is if you do. And we all do. You can never receive proper care and healing until you admit that there's something wrong. If you remain quiet, then you are being defensive and harboring that sin will eat you from the inside out. This is something that we're all dealing with, even me. Like, I'm not going to lie to you all. I'm a pastor. I'm a preacher. This is what I do for a living. I love when people say, you're a pastor, so what else do you do? I get invited to speak at retreats. I get paid to speak. I get paid to minister and to preach. I think I can even talk myself out of trouble. I think I've done that a couple times with a speeding ticket. I'll be honest with you. Although I wasn't like trying, okay, one time, tangent. I was driving to church for early morning prayer service, and it was like at 5.15 in the morning. I wasn't speeding. I really wasn't, okay? God, you know this. But I guess for some reason, the cop, whatever. So he pulled me over like in Strathmead, and he's like, where are you going this early in the morning? And I said, officer, I'm embarrassed to say, and, and if I committed, the verbatim, if I committed any crime, I deserve a ticket. But I'm on my way to go worship God. And he's like, excuse me? I go, there's a church right here called Shining Star Community Church, and uh, I'm the, actually a pastor. And he goes, it's too early to give a pastor a ticket. All right. <laughs> So I feel like, yeah, I preach for a living, I speak for a living, I can maybe get myself out of trouble and, and all this stuff. And here's the thing, and I'll, and I'll be transparent with you, I know that I've made foolish comments. I know that I have made foolish comments about people. I know that my tongue has gotten me into trouble at times. But here's the thing, I also know that knowing God's truth, like it says in James 1.9, let every person be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger has helped me tremendously to monitor my words and check if it's something that should or should not be said. The first thing is that you have to admit and confess before God and man that I have failed in this, that I need help in this. The second thing that we need to do is make friends with someone or have someone that you know can hold you accountable. Do you have a friend or someone in your life where at the end of the day you can simply ask, hey, was I out of line? You know, you know, I do this every single Sunday. Whether my wife, she's here or she hears my sermon uh, online and later on, I said, what am I saying here that you feel was just not edifying, not necessary or anything like that? She's a part of my counseling sessions as well. What part of this here should I, should, should I have omitted or whatever? All that stuff. Do you have someone in your life where at the end of the day you can simply ask, was I out of line? This is a person who's not your BFF who will die before they speak ill of you. I'm not talking about that person. I'm talking about a person in your life who, get this, loves God more than they love you. Do you have that person in your life? This is a person who has to be brutally honest with you, but is also encouraging and loving. Truth 
with grace. Truth with grace. Find that person. And if you don't, pray that that person comes into your life and pray that you become that person for someone else. Amen? And thirdly, this is how we can do it. By just giving up your tongue to God. Sometimes we'll be astounded by how much of our words throughout the day have nothing to do with God and the gospel. There was a sister not too long ago who came to me and she asked me this very question. She said, Pastor David, do I say things I shouldn't? I didn't hesitate. I was like, yeah, you do. And so I challenged her for one week to be intentional with every word she speaks unless it's related to work or edifies God in church. I said, unless it edifies God or it's related to work, you must not say it. That was the challenge. A week later, she gave me a phone call and said, Pastor David, thank you for that challenge. I realized this week how much I need to grow in my faith and the things I say. And then she then proceeded to say that she was silent for most of the week. She was silent for most of the week to the point where all her coworkers thought she was having a big like mental breakdown. And that's when she realized, I am saying a lot of unnecessary, ungodly things. That's how loose her tongue was. Friends, I'm going to ask you this question. Did you know that your tongue was meant for the Lord? Did you know that? Did you know that your words were meant to glorify the Lord? Did you know that? Have you been using it for yourself and for your own praises and for your own glory, or have you been using it to lift up God? I love what Proverbs chapter 16, verse 1 says. To a man belongs the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the reply of the tongue. Do you know what that means? It means that we can try to think and plan and say anything we think is right or good or want, but true, wise words are divine. In other words, it's from God. And this is a great thought, people, because this means that though our tongue may be set on fires of hell, though we may have said things in the past that have hurt people, and though you're saying things right now that are currently hurting people, and though you may say things, I God forbid, but say things in the future that will hurt people, that by God's grace through his son Jesus, your tongue can come under God's control. God can give you new lips. God can give you a new tongue. He can place new words in your mouth. He can refine your speech. Let's give God our tongues, brothers and sisters. And if you want to know how, know that a new tongue and a new heart and a new life is fulfilled in Christ Jesus alone. He is the one who is able to forgive the sins of our tongue and renew us and make us holy. He is the one who's able to stop the defilement of our mouths and turn our tongue into instruments of righteousness. It's for this he came. It's for this he died. And for this he has now sent his spirit. And so this afternoon, as, I, as we're forced to look upon the ugliness of our tongues and see how much damage it is capable of, I also want to call you to run to Jesus today. Do not minimize 
what you have said or the things that you say today. Do not minimize anything that you're hearing today because know that all the calamities and troubles that we have ever experienced in our lives started with one spark of a word. It has always started with that. Only Jesus can cleanse us and renew our tongues. Amen? Amen. Let's bow. Father, we thank you that, much like last week and the entire sermon was talking about, how powerful the tongue is and how much um, the need to tame it is, Lord, and, and the fact that it is like a, a horse with a bit in its mouth. It's like a rudder of a ship and as strong and powerful as the beast is and as unyielding as the ship may be, Lord, that the tongue is powerful enough to control that. And so, yes, Lord, I pray that we are convicted and challenged to, to speak and say good things and to know the power, the good power that can come from a tamed tongue. But, Lord, we also thank you for today's rebuke, today's warning, that our tongues can certainly bring life, but it can certainly bring death as well. And I'm sure that every single one of us that we have said things, perhaps we haven't said things, by the way, Lord, brought devastation upon people, whether intentionally or not. And I pray, Lord, that you would forgive us for that. You would forgive us for every careless word that we've uttered, whether it's out of malicious intent. Or God, I pray that all of us here, including myself, though we are just so susceptible and saying all the wrong things at the wrong times. But God, we know that you have given us the ability to speak. You have given us the ability to think and to form words. You have given us the speech and this tongue, Lord, not for our gain, but for your glory. I pray now, Lord, that we will be even more intentional with the things that we say. Help us, Lord. Help us, God. We not, that we may not be loose with our tongues, but Christ-centered, Christ-minded. And we know by the power of the Holy Spirit that you will give us all that we need to be able to do this. We thank you for this time. Brothers and sisters, I want to give you guys just a brief moment before we enter our last song to go ahead and pray a prayer of repentance for yourselves. And maybe you can think of that one person that you said something that you really regret or maybe that person who said something vicious to you that you need to forgive but whoever it is or whatever you may have done, would you understand and know that if you come before the throne of God, through Christ Jesus, you will be forgiven. You will be cleansed. You will be made new. Ask the Lord to change your tongue. Let's pray.